Badger fans, and welcome to another edition of Bucky's Fifth Podcast. As always, Tyler Hunt and Matt Bells here covering everything Wisconsin athletics. On today's show, we've got a, got a similar outline, a recap of all three of the sports um, going on right now in terms of what's got um, some happenings. Of course, volleyball survived a nail-biter in the Elite Eight to advance to the Final Four, a game that was back and forth. As just a casual observer of the volleyball team, um, I, my, my heart was racing watching that entire game. Um, for Florida, it was, a, I'm sure, a tough loss, but just an incredible volleyball game back and forth, and the Badgers advanced to the Final Four, so we'll talk about that a little bit. We've got some spring practice updates to get to, some groups have talked to the media, some position groups that are standing out, and some players that are standing out. And then we've got some basketball talk at the end. So a little bit of recap, um, similar to what we've done in the past couple of weeks of all three sports that kind of have the big news and, and waves going on right now. Matt, how are you this morning? I'm doing great. Yeah, busy morning. Uh, but that game yesterday night or yesterday afternoon was was really intense and it was a really fun match. Yeah, let's get right into to that because I think you know as the as the number one Wisconsin volleyball blog, I think that's where we're we're required to start. Um, you know, the Badgers survive a nail biter in five sets. The first time that they've gone to five sets all season, and I know they've played, of course, a condensed schedule. I believe just 18 games um, so far this year. Um, really, for them, it, w- it was back and forth. I, th- I think Wisconsin would say when sometimes they've looked like a well-oiled machine throughout the season. There's been a, a couple times here and there where they haven't looked their best. I would say last night was uh, a time where they haven't looked their best. A little sloppy, just a little bit off, and you know, I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I know the ins and outs of volleyball, but it just seemed like to me, again, the casual observer, that sometimes the passing and the timing was just a bit off. And, and, and I have to imagine in volleyball that little bit um, of unsynchronization can go on that fifth set despite being down two, three points at one time. Um, what did you make of, of that thrilling contest, and, and how was your heart rate throughout that one? Yeah, it, it was it was crazy good match in in terms of just every single um, or all five sets were, were really close and and were fighting tooth and nail. Um, it was it was like you mentioned, kind of uncharacteristic in terms of some of their outside hitters weren't hitting great um, or consistently. There was some unforced errors going on, but but man, you look at what Haggerty did out there playing mm-hmm. essentially the entire time. And, and helping lift the team in so many different ways. You, you saw her making plays in the back end as an outside hitter, just kind of playing everywhere. And that, that speaks volumes to kind of the leader that she is. Um, and then, and then Retke, who's obviously playing through that finger injury to, to finish off the game with that big block. It was, it was fun. Uh, that Florida team is good and, and they played probably their be- best match of the season. And Wisconsin, well, Wisconsin definitely would, was not nearly as sharp, but it, it was nice to see that Wisconsin was still able able to gut one out, um, use all that experience because you you look at it, 
Haggerty obviously was was great, but then you had um, so many other people contributing and, and being involved and helping out in so many different ways. Um, in in the back end, I thought that their defense was was pretty great for most of it. Um, did a good job of trying to stop that specifically. Um, Savita and Barnes, I thought they were great, but but man, I, I just think they need to be more crisp going into a game against Texas, who's another really really good team. And, and and really, they're going to have to go back to the tape and just kind of see what they can clean up. Yeah, I mean, really that game was, you know, if you were watching it and you didn't have uh, a fan fanhood from either side, it was just a, a great volleyball match that, that really neither team deserved to lose. Both teams, you know, it was just back and forth and... And and really exciting. If you if you were a Wisconsin fan, it was a little nerve wracking. But like you mentioned, the the Badgers were able to to really lean on their experience and and their superstars at the end. You know, in in Haggerty and Retke both really you know play. I mean, Haggerty was incredible the entire game, but that fifth set, she really seemed to put the team on her back. I mean, it's it's an old cliche in sports that you go to your star. You know, when when things get tight, um, Wisconsin certainly did that. But I, I'm glad that you mentioned the rest because. You know, some players struggle a little bit, but at the end they rallied. I think that's what makes this team really strong is that they've got depth, they've got players that uh, have played a lot of these type matches. And I think for Wisconsin, you know, thankfully coming away with a win, it also was a good test for them to to not have their best game. You know, to be to be pushed to a fifth set for the first time, kind of feel what that's like this season. Now, obviously, a lot of these players have played. Um, you know, normal seasons where they've got into those games. But this year for the Badgers, they really rolled through most of the teams they've played. I mean, this is the first really, you know, big major test where they were down in the fifth set. How is the team going to respond? And, and thankfully for the Badgers, they, they didn't get tight. They didn't get nervous. They they were able to come back out and, and rally. So um, I, I think in a way that's a, a good test for them before getting to the Final Four. You're already going to be nerve-wracking. Um, you know, a little bit in that contest just because of the stage that you're on. But to kind of get a little test in that Elite Eight, um, you know, beforehand is is certainly going to be, I think, good for this team in the long run. And I'm excited what, to see what they can do against the Longhorns Thursday night, um, 8.30 on ESPN, for those of you wondering when and where that will be televised. Yeah, I think that's going to be a fantastic um um, contest just because you look at it and I think this was a nice wake-up call because this Wisconsin volleyball team, even when we look back at the previous um, games in the tournament, they've kind of coasted through most of it. They didn't have to play some of the really tough teams in the Big Ten. They only had to play Minnesota, for example, once. They they missed mm-hmm. out on having to play a team like Penn State, Nebraska. So I think this is um, a really good push for them. And obviously you could see just how excited – um, how relieved they were after that because it would have been a huge upset. And for them to kind of take take care of business in that five-step thriller was, was awesome to see, especially when they were down four points at one yeah. point in that fifth set, and, and they kind of willed, their, willed themselves back. And a lot of that was Haggerty. A lot of that was Retke. They're, they're, I mean, you can say that they have a lot of top players, but those two get a lot of the limelight. And I thought really to see the leadership at the end, to kind of lift them up and say, hey, we're not going to fold here, we're not going to lose, what was a nice sight to see, as well as the relief after the game, that how pumped up and excited they were afterwards. Yeah, after that block, just seeing them all run on the court uh, was pretty special, you know, to go to the Final Four and in any sport is has got to be a, a thrilling sight. I know this team has, of course, been there before, but 
now to try and get over that hump will will be something that everyone's going to have their eye on. And I'm looking forward to seeing what they can do Thursday night against Texas. Of course, the winner of that will take on Kentucky or Washington, I believe, was the other team in the Final Four there. So it should be um, some exciting matchups as uh, the Final Four for college volleyball gets underway. But thankfully for the Badgers, they're moving on. Everyone can breathe a little bit, uh, a sigh of relief after what was a, a nail-biter back and forth. All right, let's move into some football talk now. We've got, of course, spring practice continuing on. Um, there have been some uh, reports of, of some players doing well in some positions. We've had a couple positions speak to the media a little bit. Um, we'll start with inside linebackers. I know they um, you know, had a pretty um, strong conversation. There were some notes that I, I think was uh, kind of funny in terms of Leo Chanel and, and Jack Sanborn. You know, Jack Sanborn essentially telling Leo Chanel sometimes to, to be a little bit more patient. Um, you know, I thought that was funny because the guy just seems to be a guy that, that plays with his hair on fire um, you know, all the time. And I, I think that's some of the, the traits that make him special. But sometimes as an inside linebacker, maybe you need to, to wait to make the play like Jack Sanborn, you know, make the play in the hole that way. But what did you make of the comments from, from those of Bob Bostad and, and Chanel and, and all those guys in the inside linebacker room? Yeah, I thought I thought they were pretty transparent and shared quite a bit in in that media availability session. Um, I thought the noteworthy thing was basically saying that they want more depth. Um, that was mentioned multiple times, um, and that's the need for that because they they mentioned specifically Chanel mentioned that after that in that Wake Forest game after those first two drives they were gassed and um, that no huddle. Uh, approach that Wake Forest did kind of had them on their heels and, and we you could see that in the game mm-hmm. um, especially how they they kept hitting those uh those crossing routes those quick hitters over the middle right right in front or behind of the linebackers and and so um, I, I think it's really important this spring to find some guys behind them Mike Mascalunas has been banged up hasn't really been able to go too much um, same thing with Malik Reed and Jordan Turner um, but that um, Bob Bostead mentioned that they, they're guys that are kind of trending up, um, take that for what it's worth, um, but, re- but really they haven't been out there quite as much as you'd hope. Um, so it, so then you throw in that a lot of the conversation centered around uh, Muma Jong Mehta, a guy that we had mentioned was kind of at that make or break time because of those younger guys coming in, some of the other players. Um, and, and so I think that he's in a space now Fully healthy. Uh, it's pretty crazy, actually, to to hear back to his his mm-hmm. 2020. But now that he's healthy, he's in a space that I think he gives them a fourth inside linebacker that they can trust. Um, and then Tatum Grass, another dude who um, has has seemed to be getting involved more and more. Kind of, uh, you look at kind of his progression, and it's very similar to Mike Mascalunas as a guy who um, early in his career players are talking about as a walk on to watch out for. He's now seeing some seeing some time on special teams, and and now he's kind of in the thick of things to be in a potential rotation um, as a reserve as well as his role in special teams. So I think I think overall it's it's good progress for some depth at the inside linebacker position. It's still a little worrisome that um, that both Malik Reed and Jordan Turner are are a little banged up because I think most folks were hoping to to hear some more from their names as well, just because they were some pretty highly sought-after recruits that folks are, are high on within the program and obviously people who are recruit mix. Yeah, I think that the, the, the depth conversation was really the, the most important part. I mean, you look at 
there's there's a couple of positions on this Wisconsin football roster that have some some really high quality starters, but behind them you're looking for the next guys to kind of progress in line. You know, there there's kind of a a mixed bag, a, you know, a group that you know generally you like to have some sort of progression to see who's going to be that next player to step up. Um, and, and right now the Badgers don't really quite have a clear answer on that in the inside linebacker room. You. You talked about Njung Meta, you've talked about Tatum Grass, uh, of course, like you mentioned, Malik Reed and Jordan Turner are guys that you want to stop up. Jake Chaney um, is a young player that I think could be pretty good, but you know, of course still young, still trying to grasp the playbook a little bit that way. So I think that depth part is going to be something that I don't know if we'll quite have answers from just spring practice, but you know, as you get into fall, you get into that too deep with, with some of these guys being banged up, it's going to be... Um, you know, uh, a short window to really see some progression from those two. But when you talk about the the, the top two and, and needing some depth behind them just to give them blows, I mean, those guys played a lot of snaps. They're going to play a lot of snaps. But you'd like to have three, four guys that you can rely on to work into a rotation. And I think for Bob said right now, he, he's just kind of looking to get some answers from some of that group. I, I think all the physical traits are there for a lot of these guys. Uh, I know you mentioned, um, you know, Tatum Grass. He's really strong and, and progressive and just waiting to put it all together. I think that's kind of the same situation for a lot of these guys. And, and with Reed and, and Turner banged up, you're just not you're not being able to see what they're at, where they're at and what they're doing. Uh, but hopefully they can get back out there and you can get some sort of, you know, muddy maybe a muddy picture of where you're going to have in that 2D behind the likes of Sanborn and Chanel. Yeah, I, I think with – I think UW is, is – uh, kind of tips their cap here in a lot of ways when they're doing these interviews. Normally, in a spring or a fall camp setting, we go in there and you you let UW Communications know who you want to talk to. Now it's more of here is who you get to talk to, and primarily it's it's the guys who are going to play the most. You, you've noticed is it's the players who are involved in getting the most reps. So you're looking at who is available to the media, Leo Chanel, Jack Sanborn, Mike Mastalunas, Tatum Grass, and Mumajong Meta. That kind of tells you that those are their f- top five at that inside linebacker position. I would be surprised if that wasn't the case. Um, I like that you mentioned, though, that um, Jake Taney, because he's a kid that they brought up on multiple occasions about how he has already grasped the playbook really well, which I think is is a testament to how smart he is as a mm-hmm. player and what he could bring to the table down the line. Um, and And so I think – they're in a good space. You've got a couple more inside linebackers coming in in that 2021 class as well. But um, in the end, you, you look at what Bob Bostead said about Chanel and Sanborn. He said, my philosophy is I'm going to play play them, and I want the absolute best players on the field, and I'm going to play them until I can't. So that tells you that most likely, while well, we have brought up this idea of depth and how Mastalunas was the only guy really spelling them in, in games last year, I think Tatum Grass saw uh, a few snaps here or there. But in the end, it's going to be Chanel and Sanborn on the field 99% of the time outside of mop-up duty. So I think those two are a really strong tandem, and the rest of it will shake itself out as uh, practice continues to go on and, and really over the summer because that's another possible time of development for a lot of these guys. Yeah, I mean, you look at it, it could be a lot worse. You could be looking for, for two starters and two backups and, and kind of looking at it that way, you know. It's not a bad problem to have, you know, two really strong starters, guys that could be all-conference players in, in Chanel and Sanborn, 
and then you're just looking for a couple guys to, to kind of take that next step up behind them. There's there's a lot of inside linebacker situations across the country where coaches would, would sign up for that probably tomorrow just because you don't usually get, you know, two really strong starters and, and then a group that you would believe in behind them just uh, kind of waiting for them to step up. So it's definitely going to be uh, an interesting one to watch for. You know, I, I think this group, like I said, has, has got a lot of talent. It's just time to, to see how they progress and, you know, guys like Jake Cheney. You know, I remember when we had him on the podcast, he was very well-spoken and seemed, you know, wise beyond his years as, as just a high school player. So I could see him being someone that really makes an impact. Some of those other guys, Grass and Jung Meta, all those guys have talent. It's just time to time to see where they develop. But I, I like that you mentioned that it it'll, could just really shake itself out. You know, you're in a good position right now as starters. You just need to find someone to maybe give them a spell and a blow and someone that you feel confident as is going to do the job, you know, when they have to be out there that way. So, yeah, it's a good point that uh, it could be a little bit worse um, in some other situations. Moving on down the line here, cornerbacks also spoke to the media um, from the impressions that, that I got. Uh, Alexander Smith and, and Dean Ingram were really impressing as, as possibilities for that third cornerback position. Again, you're kind of looking at inside linebackers and corners. You've got Two established starters that are really good, uh, of course, in the cornerback room, Fayon, Wicks and, uh, Fayon Hicks and Caesar Williams. Um, but then you're looking for someone else to step up. I, I think the third cornerback in, in terms of third inside linebacker or third cornerback, which one's more pressing? I think third cornerback is, is very much a, a bigger deal simply because Jim Leonard in his defense plays a lot of nickel. You're going to have three quarterback cornerbacks out there a large majority of the time. Um, so I think that who's going to fill in that role is a key position to watch for across the board for Wisconsin football. But what did you make of the cornerbacks in their conversations? Yeah, I think I think you look at kind of what they have. And for sure, Fayon Hicks has kind of taken over that leadership role, it sounds like. You've got uh, Caesar Williams, another upperclassman to rely upon. Those are your definitive top two. But then, yeah, most of the conversation was about Smith and Ingram. Once again, you can kind of tell who is in that battle based off of who's available. Smith and Ingram um, available to talk to the media. So um, they, those are both younger guys. Um, Smith's a little older. He's been on campus now going on three or four years and has, has seen some playing times, primarily in special teams and then mixed in here or there. But um, Ingram is a kid that I think from the jump since he's been on campus has impressed and been a guy that they've gotten in even as a freshman. He was returning punts last year. So I think both those guys are very different players. Smith a little longer, you know, just a shade under six foot, whereas Ingram's about 5'8", and that might even be generous in a, in a bit. So Or 5'8", five, 5'9". And so I think between those two guys, they have some some different matchups that they can use. Um, I'm guessing Ingram would probably slide into the slot a little bit more, whereas Smith would probably stay outside, and then and then Hicks would pop in. So I think the battle there for that that job is, is going to be a really tight one. But really, when you look at how you mentioned Jim Leonard uses his cornerbacks a lot, um, they they play nickel like three fourths of the time. Anyways, you're going to have one of these guys is going to be a pseudo starter. And um, even you're going to probably have be playing four corners quite a bit in general. Um, I think that there's still a chance for a guy like Samar Melvin, Deron Harrell, if they get back healthy sooner rather than later to, to mix things up a little bit just because um, new cornerbacks coach uh, Hank Potit hasn't really seen what they can bring to the table. And, and we saw both of them play a lot of football so far. I mean, Melvin, it was just one – 
you know, four games essentially, but he, he started that Minnesota game and played really well um, at times. So I, I think there's uh, still a lot to be determined, but, but it's really promising to hear Smith and Ingram's names as guys who have emerged. Um, you wonder about a guy like Dante Burton, who, who was involved. He's, he has played a bunch. He played a lot late in the last year. So I, I think there's still a lot to, to, to happen once the dust settled, but, it, but it's great to hear that those two are doing so well. And as, as guys who really came in as lower three-star recruits, you know, mid-three-star guys who were kind of flashing now as Wisconsin develops them. Yeah, I think that's a great point. I, I think when you look at who you may be expected to take on this third cornerback role, Samar Melvin, you know, Dante Burton could be a guy. You, you kind of, I don't know if I necessarily expected you know Alexander Smith and, and Dean Ingram to be the guys that are really impressing. And that's not a knock on them. It's just we haven't seen as much from them. Not as highly recruited like you mentioned. So when you look at it, the guys that you would expect to to kind of make that jump. Sometimes you get surprised by some others, and of course, you know there's been there's been some injuries there, and I like that you mentioned, um, you know, that Hank Poteet hasn't got a chance to see him. So with the new position coach, you see what's out there, and, and when your guys are out there, other things could change when they get healthy. So I, I don't think anything is certainly set in stone, but it's nice to have maybe three, four guys that compete for for one of those, you know, that third corner. That, that nickel cornerback that's kind of your kind of like you said a pseudo starter, but then after that, who's going to be maybe your your fourth corner to work into rotation is just as important. Or if you need to to get some more DBs on the field and in passing downs to be able to have another guy that you feel comfortable with um, is going to be really important. So again, a lot of talent in this room. Um, just and I think there there may be a little bit further along with some of these guys than some of the guys in the inside linebacker room, but still looking to, to, to see the next step from some of them. And it sounds like Alexander Smith and Dean Ingram are, are making their push, but I would not be surprised if some others, you know, Deron Harrell, Dante Burton, you know, Samar Melvin, when they're able to go to, to make a push there as well. But I, I think that is going to what make this cornerback room so interesting is that you've got a lot of guys that can, can you know, come in and, and compete for time. And, and two of them, two of these spots are really, again, already kind of sat in stone. So you're not playing, you're not competing for a ton of snaps. Uh, but I, I think that makes should, should make the battle uh, just as interesting. Yeah, for sure. All right, moving on down the line here, tight end. There's been some reports of some guys, again, impressing. Um, um, there have been reports of a lot of tight ends being used. Of course, again, you've got that established starter in Jake Ferguson. Um, but some other guys playing well, um, of course, our, our our favorite, Jack Eschenbach, sounds like he's emerging as a pass-catching target. Jalen Franklin sounds like he's starting to develop and, and kind of make sense as to why they moved him that to that position. You've also got some young guys in, in Rucci, um, Clay Cundiff, uh, you know, Cam Large, some of these younger guys. So what did you make of, of the tight end reports that have kind of emerged over the last few days and then in the, in the last week? Yeah, it, it seems like they're really trying – um, to make a concerted effort to to get some of these younger guys in and giving them reps because you, you know what you have with Jake Ferguson. He's, he's one of the better tight ends in the Big Ten coming back, um, and, and really he's established as one of your top receiving options, one of your best blocking options at the tight end position. So it's more about getting some of those other guys um, as many opportunities as possible to develop. And, and yeah, I mean – Jack Eschenbach is is a uh, is a podcast favorite, mm-hmm. and I remember we were we we brought his name up for a while now, um, mm-hmm. much before he was even seeing the field. So 
he's he's a guy that I think will continue to be a threat. Um, he's got really good size. He runs well. He keeps getting bigger, and um, it really has a receiver background. So those are skills you don't usually just lose overnight. So I think he's in a good spot to to be a guy who can be out there as a pass catcher. But then Hayden Rucci, I still think is is probably your blocking tight end is going to see a little bit more playing time than than say Eschenbach just because of what he can do in in um, in blocking. I mean, most of his plays um, when he was out there were running game plays, so I'm I'm hopeful that they can get him in the mix. I know he had a, a long reception in, in one of the practices that he brought up, so that he said that that was exciting and, and great. So hopefully we see more of that. doesn't need to be long chunk plays, but rather just getting him involved in, in the passing game so that teams can't key on that. Um, but then, yeah, Jalen Franklin, he, he's a kid who athleticism and traits are through the roof. It, it's now about making sure he's healthy. I know he's been dealing with a hamstring injury. Um, but getting him back out there, he, he practiced the first two practices, has been kind of off and on since then. So he's a kid that I think if if they can use him split out a little bit as an H-back, that can also help uh, add another wrinkle into this offense. We'll see if that happens this year or if that's more down the line. But he, he's, a, he's a kid that as he gets more familiar with the terminology, everything that they're doing on offense, he, he could be a wild card. But um, and, and you haven't heard a bunch from some of the other young guys. You know, we haven't heard a bunch about Koldakovich, um, haven't seen a bunch of Cam Large, anything like that. Like, they're on the field, they're practicing, but it's not really um, making huge splash plays. So based off of, once again, who's available um, to the media as well as um, – as well as just what you're seeing in practice, it seems like Ferguson, Eschenbach, Rucci are kind of your top three. And then that fourth spot, which um, probably isn't going to get used quite as frequently, is the one kind of up for grabs um, that maybe a guy like Clay Cundiff would be vying for right now. Yeah, it's so interesting with Wisconsin tight ends because they, they're they're all, you know, position-wise are under the tight end label, but Wisconsin does so many different things with with that position, whether it be a guy that's primarily a pass catcher, a guy that's you know in there for blocking, you know, in there just to be an extension of the offensive line. So it, it's you you've got an established, you've got like you mentioned, one of the top tight ends really in the country, and Jake Ferguson, he's going to be your pass catcher, and and Jake has has really developed, I think, as a blocker to be out there as a guy that can do them both, and and I think that's key for Wisconsin to. Um, give them an added wrinkle to their offense that you know Jake Ferguson isn't in a situation anymore where he was you know, early in his career he was coming out um, in those in those run heavy uh, options and and they didn't really have that added wrinkle now for, you know Ferguson has kind of developed into a guy that can do it all at that tight end position which is what you want and then you've got some you know, you have the other options you know Rucci is a guy that's going to be when you're looking at Ferguson being a pass catcher first. Rucci's probably a blocker first, but if he can emerge and develop as a pass catcher too, that maybe gets you next in line in terms of you know, who's going to be that next tight end, and I think that would be a really important development for him. And then you know a guy like Jack Eschenbach, who's big, who's big and long, put on a lot of weight and muscle. He's been a lot bigger um, these last couple of years than when we first kind of mentioned him, looking like looking like a, a young skinny deer out there. He's, he's developed into a player that, that can, I think, you know, give you something in the passing game. And then Jalen Franklin, kind of that role 
that maybe will be a little bit more niche, you know, at, at that H-back position, I think could be really good. But um, it's an interesting position to keep an eye on for. You know, a couple years ago, they were struggling to just find bodies to play there. It's crazy the turnaround that they've had since then in terms of depth and talent. But uh, I'm interested to see how the rest of spring ball shakes out and, and how, how this position kind of develops into the fall. Yeah, because there is there is plenty of playing time when you consider how Wisconsin likes to use two or three tight ends at a time um, in various situations. That that gives you a pretty good opportunity to get on the field in, in a capacity. You're also used primarily in special teams on any field goal um, or or punt situations. So a lot of these guys have things to go for, um, but but really tight end such a developmental. Uh, situation in such a developmental position that it's going to take time for some of these guys. And, and there's a reason that we we saw Jake Ferguson play as a redshirt freshman, but maybe not make huge leaps until a year after that. So they're, they're getting into a situation where most of these guys in the tight end room haven't had spring practice. So this is really invaluable for them. Yeah, I think that's a great point as you move forward with, with this group and, and see how they develop overall. All right, moving on down the line here. Any other notes from practice that you wanted to hit on before we we've got a little bit of recruiting to touch on, and then we'll we'll touch on some basketball here at the end. I, I think the biggest thing was that you saw a flurry of tweets after practice pointing out two different players, and it was Chim Ray DK and Graham mm-hmm. Mertz, which I think is really exciting for for fans that they should be excited because right now you're you, they're obviously not going full go, they're not having um, full full pads with the line in front of them and everything. But at the same time, it, it's good to see them build a rapport with one another. That's in addition to the fact that you have your top two receiving targets back from a year ago in Danny Davis and Kendrick Pryor. So I think that is, is something that could really give this offensive boost if they're clicking um, because Chimre DK has good length, good ability to to work the middle of the field as well. So I think if we're seeing a nice jump from him, this offense could be a lot better. The other guy, Devin Chandler, his name has been brought up quite a bit. He caught a long pass from from Wolf. So I think the the fact that Graham Mertz is having a really good spring, the fact that Shimre DK is having a really good spring is is definitely something to get excited about because this offense especially given the fact that right now we have seen so many injuries at the running back position working uh, a, a walk on there and Brady Shipper, you're, you're probably going to have to pass the ball a little bit more than you traditionally would want to. Um, now, even even considering the fact that you're probably going to have a, a fully healthy Jalen Berger come fall, but but really to, to have a quarterback that you can trust and somebody who's, who's kind of proving that, hey, maybe last year some of that was just um, rust after getting COVID. Um, another full half season of development, I think Graham Mertz is making nice strides, and that's that's a positive development for this team. Yeah, I mean, if you're looking across spring practices around the country, you always want to hear about your quarterback developing well and, and getting a repertoire um, established with his receivers. And I think – we, we all kind of expected, I, I think, a jump up, but it's nice to kind of have those convictions and hear that, you know, that is in fact happening. You know, uh, I don't think anyone, at least myself, and I, and I know you were not a doubter of Graham Mertz in terms of ability. It was just more of last year. There were so many things going on. Again, we don't want to be Graham Mertz apologists, but he, he, there was a lot of tough things that, that most college quarterbacks 
up until last year didn't have to deal with, and, and unfortunately, uh, they everyone kind of had to deal with those odd situations, and injuries are always part of the game, but that makes a big difference, so I, it's nice to hear that he's kind of, you know, I, I think getting some confidence working with his receivers, the receivers, um, and Shimre DK and those guys are a really strong, established group, growing confidence that way, so um, in, in terms of an offense that last year really struggled to, to find themselves and get going, to, to hear that they're doing well um, and, and having a, a little confidence spark is, is always a good thing, and yeah, like you mentioned, I think should, fans should be very excited about it. I know, you know, and I don't think anyone expected last year to, to continue into this year, but it's nice to hear that um, you know they're trending away from what the struggle was a year ago. Yeah, and uh, Jack Cohn uh, leading the race there at Notre Dame is is going to be interesting. That makes that the juiciness of that Notre Dame Wisconsin game a, a little higher because you've got two quarterbacks that were in the same room um, and we're really vying for a job against one another. Probably going to go against each other in. Um, a really big game. So I, I think that's another fun little wrinkle that it throws into this spring. Yeah, a late September battle between uh, Graham Mertz and Jack Cohn is not something I would have envisioned um, a year ago when when we were talking about spring practice and you know kind of being canceled last year. But um, it's uh, it's been a crazy wild ride since then, and, and I certainly can't wait to, to possibly see that. All right, moving on down the line here, some uh, recruiting news in-state Offensive lineman Barrett Nelson got a, picked up an offer from the Badgers. If you recognize the Nelson name, of course, Jack Nelson is a player that right now is, is really standing out in the offensive line for Wisconsin. So you look across the roster, Wisconsin does a really good job of recruiting one brother and, and usually going after and having success landing the other one. But I think um, in terms of an offer for the Badgers going out, that's a, a pretty smart no-brainer when you see what Jack Nelson is doing. But uh, what did you make of that offer being thrown out? Yeah, I, I think it was just a matter of time for that offer to go out. He's a guy who could play on either side of the line, probably, probably going to end up on the offensive side of the ball if, if he commits to Wisconsin. I, I think in the end he's going to be there. He's probably going to look around. Most kids are waiting until they can get some official visits in just because they haven't been able to visit anywhere. Um, he's got other offers from Iowa State, Nebraska, and Purdue, which I think kind of forced Wisconsin's hand because they were slow playing him somewhat, knowing that, hey, we probably can get this kid when we want him. Um, but he's 6'6", 260 plus. He, he's going to get bigger. Um, another good athlete out of Stoughton played football last year at, at Fall River. But, but really, I think when you look at this, he's probably going to get pick up some more offers from, from some higher schools than, say, Purdue. But he's a guy that older brothers plays for Wisconsin. Father played with at Wisconsin. I, I would have a hard time seeing um, the Badgers loose out on this one. And, and really, I think he's the type of prototypical offensive lineman that comes in a little leaner, bulks up, but has the frame to add weight and does well. So I think it, it, it could be really fun to see those two um, end up playing both guard positions, for example, together on the on the same line in the future if if it comes to be that way and uh, Jack stays inside or Barrett goes inside. Yeah, I think that would be a really an, an intriguing um, duo that they've got um, you know, and, and hopefully can land. You know, Barrett, of course, not as highly recruited right now, but uh, those things can change and, and skyrocket, um, especially when you see you know that his, his brother is having success and, and Barrett Nelson could you know, absolutely develop into something similar. Um, of course, you know, 
a little bit lighter, but I don't worry about that in terms of if he's going to come in and be part of Wisconsin. He'll throw on that weight pretty quick. Um, you know, whatever side of the ball he ends up on, you know, whether it be on the offensive line or the defensive line that way. Um, so you hope that Wisconsin can, yeah, continue to do well in terms of recruiting that young, younger sibling. You know, we talked about the Chanel uh, brothers. You've got, of course, the Sanborn brothers. So if you can hopefully land, um, you know, another in-state kid um, that, that is a brother uh, of Jack Nelson and he develops into a similar talent, that's a, a home run slam dunk that Wisconsin's got to take. So I, I understand what they were doing in terms of waiting a little bit, but now the offer's on the table, and I'd have to imagine they think they can they land a player like him, and, and hopefully he'll develop into you know another strong offensive lineman um, or defensive lineman that can really help them in the future. For sure. All right, moving on down the line here. Basketball, a little bit to talk about. Marcus, is it Liver? Iver? Ilver. <laughs> Ilver. As you guys know, I'm bad with last names. Marcus Ilver. Um, was the last part of the signing day group for the class of 2021. So that group is now, of course, official. Um, you know, 6'8 power forward for him, 195. I know um, he's played overseas, got a little bit, spent a little bit of time with Sam Decker, who has raved about him. But now you've got this class, you know, all signed up. You know, you've got, of course, you got Chucky Hepburn, Matthew Morris, Chris Hodges, Marcus Ilver, and then you've got the two transfers in Jacoby Neath and Isaac Lindsay. So, this group comes in, really kind of provides some things that Wisconsin's going to need in terms of the overall recruiting rankings, um, a national rank of 32, Big Ten rank of five now as you look at it. So um, certainly improvement. Um, your previous year was 31 in terms of the national rank, so you're right around there. But uh, what do you make of this group overall now that it's all signed and, and sealed and official? I, I like the group. You look at it, you, you might as well add Jacoby Neath and Isaac Lindsay into this group mm-hmm. just because they, they, they UW has now made it official, talked about those guys coming in. So six newcomers into this team, which I think should give um, – with Neath, you get some experience. Isaac Lindsay, you're getting a, a high upside kid who, who's coming off an injury that can give, help you out at the two guard. And then you, you look at it, Chris Hodges, he's more of a banger, something this team really needs. Um, he's listed at like 6'8", 6'9", 240 or so. He, he should be able to help them out physicality-wise. And, and really, who knows where he's at height-wise now um, after really not playing at all this past year due to concerns with COVID. But I, I like how this group kind of forms together. I think Matthew Moores, Chucky Hepburn, both guys can shoot it. Same with Marcus Ilver, which I think this team desperately needs is some shooting touch. All three of those guys can deliver in that area. Hepburn's probably going to be a day one starter. I, I at least I think. Um, I, I you could maybe Neath gets gets the nod and, and starts, but but really I would think that Hepburn is a kid who who could come in and, and immediately be a starter from the jump and and really be a good floor general that this team needs. And but but really I'm excited about Matthew Moore's and, and Chris Hodges the most out of this group. I, I think Hepburn is going to maybe be the, the best of the bunch. But I think Matthew Moores, he has just all the intangibles to help out and play the three or the four and can do all the little things in, in addition to shooting the ball. He reminds you of Joe Krabbenhoff as a guy from South Dakota, He but but maybe even just a, a really higher athlete. And, and then Hodges, I think just that physical presence should help this team out because you look at their other bigs and, and most of them are guys who can go inside out. And Hodges can do that, but but he's got some size to him. 
that you need to hope that he can become what Charlie Tom- Thomas wasn't able to do um, for the Badgers in, in, in play inside and, and be a bagger, maybe a Travion Williams type um, to, to help this team out. So overall, like the group, I like the upside of a guy like Ilver, but um, it, it's now going to be a matter of just how they develop when they get on campus because that's that's the biggest thing is um, specifically developing as shooters and, and rounding up their games and, and kind of making sure that they have players that can play the, the two a little bit because they're bringing in a lot of point guards, a lot of small forward through five types, but not as many shooting guards here or pure shooting guards that you would normally see. Um, so I think that's the one spot that I would look to and say, hey, it would have been nice to maybe bring in a shooting guard. I know Isaac Lindsay is one, but he's a walk-on kid. Um, so kind of looking for that two guard to emerge and I know, but I know that Jonathan Davis can play that as well. Yeah, I, I think that part, the variety of the class, you know, you you went out and you, you've got a guy that can be an established starting point guard. You've got a Matthew Moores that, that can kind of do it all. Uh, you know, Hodges, you know, the, the roles are very well, not defined for this team, but I think you can see how they project, um, you know, with Chris Hodges kind of being that inside force that you need. Ilver being a guy, you know, at 6'8", can, can kind of stretch the floor and shoot it a little bit. Um, when you add in, yeah, the Jacoby Neath and, and Isaac Lindsay kind of being part of that class, you know, Lindsay has certainly got the capabilities um, to be a knockdown shooter as long as his health continues to, to get back to where he was. I know he's been dealing with injury um, and dealt with that at, at um, UNLV. Jacoby Neath, of course, brings you some experience and, and some depth at that guard position that's already played some collegiate basketball, which is always good when you've got guys on there that have played a little bit of basketball. ACC basketball, you know, I know Wake Forest is a team that struggled, but you're still playing against quality competition uh, a lot of those nights in and out. So I think this group's got some some special talent. Uh, I think if you're looking at you know the, a couple guys, the, the top three in Hepburn and Moores and Hodges, I, I think you could really be excited about. You know, Hepburn yeah, has already drawn a lot of excitement from Wisconsin fans, but I think Matthew Morris has a chance to be a guy that's really special. Just uh, got a lot of development in his game. You know, one of those six, seven, six, eight kids that that really does well for Wisconsin. Um, you know, I know he's a little bit smaller than the the traditional bigs that Wisconsin's dominated with over the last few years, but I think Morris can be a guy that that really does something special. And, and this group seems like they can be uh, a group that that hopefully gives Wisconsin some some depth and, and some added. Um, you know, in your playing time for this year, but uh, it's going to be, like you mentioned, important to see how they develop uh, and keep an eye on this group as they move forward at UW. Yeah, it should be fun. Next year, this this team probably won't be as talented, won't be as um, readily available to challenge for a, a Big Ten title like they came into this past year doing, But but it should be fun to kind of see the growth and the different brand of basketball that this team could potentially play. All right, guys, that pretty much wraps up our episode of the podcast. Thank you, as always, for listening. We'll be back with you later in the week, as always, on Wisconsin.